Hi, everyone. This is Nicole Sales-Giles with Christie's, where we are steeped in the history of great art, as well as paving the way for the future. I am here on the edge of NFT, the podcast that curates the finest in NFTs for you to have, hold, and treasure. Stay tuned. Hey there, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode and find out how an established organization brokering the finest art sales in the world stumbled into NFTs by hiring smart, young talent and letting them take some chances. And who on today's show is holding a treasure trove of the hottest Beanie Baby collectibles. And how Blockchain Training Alliance is onboarding the masses into blockchain with stellar education and a path toward enriching new careers in tech. All this and more on today's episode. And don't forget, we put together a gathering at NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the NFT space. Head to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles, March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. See you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features the amazing Nicole Sales Giles, business director of digital art sales at Christie's, an iconic auction house and world-leading art and luxury business, as well as a digital artwork pioneer. Christie's is internationally renowned for its live and online auctions, as well as its bespoke private sales. Nicole holds an MBA from Columbia Business School and a BA in art history and economics from Duke University, and currently oversees Christie's global strategy, operations, and business development of the firm's NFT initiatives. She joined Christie's in 2012 and has excelled in various positions, primarily within the 20th and 21st century art departments in New York. And in March 2021, as the business lead, she facilitated the historic sale of Beeple's Every Days, the first 5,000 days, the first purely digital artwork to be sold at a major auction house. Prior to her current role, Nicole was the Associate Vice President and Business Manager of the Private Sales Division, as well as for the online sales group of Christie's. She has also held management positions in client strategy and business intelligence. Christie serves as one of the top international auction houses specializing in more than 80 art and luxury categories and an industry leader in digital innovation. NFTs are now represented and auctioned off as part of the modern and contemporary sales. Nicole, welcome to Edge of NFT. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, super great to have you on board here at the Edge of NFT to chat NFTs and all the fun things that Christie's has been doing. But Christie's has been around like a really long time, long, long, long before crypto and NFTs. I mean, we're talking over 250 years of real excellence in art and luxury. So as an art history major and somebody with a clear passion for art, like what's it been like working for such an iconic auction house? Yeah, it's been amazing. Honestly, I've been here for over 10 years now. And I think if you asked me when I was in school, you know, where I wanted to work, definitely Christie's is what I would have said. And uh, the fact that I'm still here 10 years later is obviously a testament to how great the company has been and how diverse 
of things I've been able to do within the company because I get bored very easily. So the fact that I'm still here is uh, <laughs> a lot, but it's really amazing. I mean, the, the crypto and digital art stuff aside, you know, the, the caliber of art that passes through the Christie's doors is just really remarkable. And you get to see such extraordinary works of art and luxury goods um, that really are sourced from all over the globe, really high-end museum quality stuff. And man, like that's a such a dream job, right? For so many people I know, right? Like it's like right up there. So tell us a little bit about the path to Christie's. Like what was that like? So yeah, so like uh, Ethan said, I studied art history and economics in undergrad at, at Duke. And I was fortunate enough to land a job at Christie's straight out of undergrad, honestly. I studied art business in undergrad and I really wanted to work here and kind of all the stars aligned, honestly. I took an informational interview in New York City and they called me back while I was still in the building, 15 minutes later, as I was uh, <laughs> walking to Starbucks after the interview. So uh, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Super cool. And of course, like we got a chance to meet the one and only people kind of randomly by happenstance at the dream experience. Dreamverse. Dreamverse. Thank you. Seems like forever and a day ago. <laughs> I think it was less than a year ago. <laughs> that was 2021, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that was even a good amount of time had passed since that iconic experience. But so much has happened in the space, as is the nature of Web3 as a crescendo, if you will, on top of that. What was it like to sort of be at the forefront of that movement with people, the one and only? Yeah, it was crazy. It was a really crazy, it was a really crazy few weeks in the company. So kind of how it all kind of came together is, I think, an interesting story. So at the time, I was the business lead for our online sales, our contemporary art online sales. My colleague Noah was the specialist head of the online sales. And one of our colleagues, Megan, who's really fantastic, she came and said, why don't we sell this thing, this NFT thing? And, you know, we were like, uh, sure, why not? And our online sale division is typically where we showcase a lot of our emerging artists, some more accessible price points. We experiment with contemporary artists working in a variety of new mediums. So this really made sense for the online sale division. And Christie's is really working towards accepting a lot of innovation. And they're really supportive of everything that the individual sale teams want to do. So we, they really quickly were like, yeah. Do whatever you want. That sounds great. And then when we wanted to accept cryptocurrency, which happened during the sale as well, we got a lot of support from upper management and execs. So that was it was really phenomenal and, and really honestly pretty easy internally to push that through, which I think some people might not expect. So it was an online sale and we started the bidding at hundred dollars because we had zero expectations. And uh, the sale was over a seven-day bidding period, and the bidding got to a million in the first eight minutes. And it only stopped at a million because we had a threshold where we have to do more elevated KYC and compliance checks at that point. So that's why it kind of stalled at a million for no other reason other than that. And then once we started looking through, checking all these bidders, then obviously the rest is history. And then the last day of the sale, it got from a handful of clients, bid it up from 14 to 69 million. Yeah, what an incredible ride. And were you directly in touch with people during that process? Was he like texting you guys 
on Zooms together? Like, was he like, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> like, give us a little bit of a sense of like what's happening in the boiler room. Yeah, no, he was super excited. He, we actually filmed him watching. There's a video on our website. You can watch him watching the online sale prices going up and you can see his reactions, you know, with his kids and his wife. It's really amazing. I mean, Mike's just an awesome guy. I've been really fortunate to meet him and get to know him a bit over the past year plus. So yeah, it's really been amazing. And it was a really momentous time for Christie's, for him and just for the market in general, obviously. Yeah. Very, very chill, down to earth, unassuming, humble guy. Not not really self-promotional even, right? Even though he's out putting his work out there, right? Being vulnerable, putting his work out there every day probably speaks to the value of what he does. But beyond that, not much of a self-promoter. You know, I'm reflecting back on the story of all how that all came out. And what you said is exactly true. And there's one level on which I wouldn't have expected from Christie's. You know, you have these long-standing organizations which really have a foundational presence. And a lot of times there's this idea that it's hard for them to move and change, right? Because they have such history and they have such momentum in what they're already doing. But then the way you described how it went down, it also reminded me of a book, Magic of Thinking Big, I believe. And the author talks about how the person in the mailroom, if they have some good idea about the business and they talk to the other people in the mailroom, they're going to kind of like be like, oh, yeah, man, whatever crazy idea, you know, don't worry about it. But you go and take that guy from the mailroom and give him a second with the guy who runs the company and they'll listen, right? And so it just reminds me that these brands and these established, it goes beyond brand. I can't think these names, whatever, they're there for a reason. They've probably taken these risks throughout history and they stack themselves with intelligent people for this very reason, right? To be on the cutting edge and to make sure great things are happening. So it's very interesting. So NFTs, like we said, they're now represented in auction off as part of the modern contemporary sales at Christie's. So now that you've got that moving, what are exactly are you looking for when you're evaluating these NFT projects? Yeah. So we have, ever since that people's sale we just discussed, my I've been fully focused on NFTs exclusively and Christie's backfilled my position. We were like, wow, maybe we should uh, focus on this a little bit more. <laughs> You know, maybe there's something here. So that's been really exciting. And so we've experimented a lot in the past year and a half. We've learned a lot, um, really understanding what works and what doesn't, at least for now, I will caveat. And obviously, as probably most people listening to this podcast, and you all know, this market, it changes at the flip of, uh, you know, the wind. So this is what we're kind of seeing as of now, what's worked, but time will tell going forward. I would say we look for three things, you know, when we're evaluating projects. One is the narrative and the access to the artist. So this is really new for Christie's. You know, up until now, Christie's is more or less a brokerage house, right? We sell art on behalf of one owner to another owner. It's pretty rare that we actually sell art for the first time from the creator, from the artist. So it's been really fun and rewarding from my perspective to be able to actually work with the artist and present their work for the first time to collectors and to the market and to the press and whoever else. That's been really new. So we really look for artists that we are able to have a direct relationship with, that we can tell their story in a way that that makes sense for them and use our marketing machine that has been working for 250 years to, you know, really amplify what they want to present to the world. So I would say that's one direct relationship with the artist. The second thing is there has to be a reason why the artist or the creator or the brand is using the technology of NFTs. We get a lot of 
pitches or projects or proposals to us where it's either a brand or a creator where it's they're not quite sure why the, the NFT technology is being used, right? It's, oh, I have this physical painting and I just want to sell the NFT version of it. Like, nah, <laughs> probably not, you know, or it's a brand that wants to do some drop with Christie's and they want to just do something in the NFT space, but they don't know what, just because they think it's trendy. So it's really pushing these brands and these creators to have thoughtful and strategic conversations, which we're happy to have with them when it makes sense, but really to understand why you're using the technology, right? It has to be additive. It has to add value to the underlying asset. If the asset is valuable in and of itself, just work with that, right? I mean, if you have a Picasso painting, just sell the Picasso painting. Don't sell the digital version of the painting. So those are kind of the conversations that we're having as well. So that's the second thing. I want to stop you on that second thing because it's like, I can't tell you how many times we are approached by people that have really valuable archives and they're just like, I'm just going to NFT this whole thing and sell it. I'm like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that doesn't work. So I really appreciate you saying that and that Christie's is being so intentional on that second point. I hope I didn't kill your train of thought. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, just to expand on that a bit, I mean, I think the technology that's been developed around you know, NFTs and blockchain in general is just so amazing. And there's so many use cases that are really valuable that we should be promoting. Whereas that's what we're looking for. Like the cases where the technology is part of the art or it's creating value. And and a lot of that means that the art, not always, but a lot of it is that the art is inherently digital. Because in the past, there was no way to ascribe scarcity or ownership to a piece of digital art, right? If it, For photography, for an easy example, if photographers take their art, someone makes something on Adobe Photoshop, and I'm not a digital artist, so that's probably a very uh, naive example. But if you're making something on the Photoshop, right, you could just email it out to a million people. But now when you have, and you actually mint it, you can ascribe scarcity, you can ascribe ownership, and, and that's where the technology comes into play and, and we're, we're looking for it in and of itself. And then the third thing is we really want to support emerging artists. But in general, we're looking for artists that have some level of a a career trajectory where they have had some sort of level of success with other platforms or other venues, whether it's galleries, whether it's super rare, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be. And then you kind of get to Christie's that, that next level. And we're happy to promote you and amplify your voice and amplify your demand. But we're not going to create demand kind of from scratch for kind of a new creator. I feel like you're looking at me, Nicole, and telling me that my scribbles aren't going to cut it. <laughs> In the nicest way possible. Hey, he is one of the co-founders <laughs> of the Edge of NFT podcast and NFT LA convention. That's got to show for something. <laughs> you never know. Do you have any doodles, Josh? Do you have any? Do you ever doodle like anything? <laughs> This is embarrassing, but yeah, no, I doodled on a post-it note, a picture of Husky that passed away. And Sophia like loves this doodle because it's like the only piece of art I've ever created. But anyone else would not respect this doodle at all. I'd love to see it. There you go. Nicole's not bored. (laughs) Cue it up. Let's go. Put it up for $100. See what happens. You never know. So look, as we think about like next steps, like there's so much on the horizon, so many opportunities to build on this foundation that you've created at Christie's. What's next as you think about the mission going forward? I mean, we've heard a little bit about some uh, things brewing on the education front, like fill us in. Yeah. So we've had a lot of exciting stuff going on over the summer. I'd say a little bit tangentially related to our digital art team, but we did just launch Christie's Ventures 
which in July, which has been a really exciting initiative to help work on. It's we're focused on very early stage, like Series A or earlier companies that are focused on innovation in the art world. So not exclusively Web3 companies, but just by nature of what's where a lot of the minds and build is right now, a lot of those end up being Web3 companies. So that's been really fun to talk to a lot of early founders and where Christie's could add value. So we're, it's a strategic investment. So from our, from our brand perspective, you know, lending our Christie's brand to some of these early companies, as well as obviously financial investment as well. So that's a new thing that we've been taking on. And, and I think, you know, because we've been so successful over the past year and a half, we've just naturally been able to get a lot of inquiries and we've been able to meet a lot of these founders very naturally. So it made sense to kind of open up this arm and launch this division internally. So that's been really fun. In terms of the digital art specifically, I would say we have two kind of main missions or mandates, if you will. One would be to continue to try to elevate the status of digital art as a serious collecting category within contemporary art. So within our evening and day sales and our typical contemporary art sales of our cycle that we do annually, biannually, making sure that we're including the best of the best digital art in those sales, just as we would the best of the best sculpture or photography or painting. So really trying to educate our traditional collectors on what digital art they should be looking for. And then that's really how we view it. You know, NFTs are just the mechanism that make digital art collectible and digital art is just another medium of this category. And then concurrently, we are definitely focused on more emerging artists and bringing them to to light at Christie's and being able to bring in a more crypto native community and presenting them with artists that we feel are, you know, doing really amazing things in space. Yeah, I'm sure it's in high demand. So for the ventures side of the business, is there a, a way that you're, you're looking for these companies to reach out to, founders to reach out to you? What's your process there? Yeah. So my colleague Devong runs it. And like I said, it's not exclusively Web3. So in my current role, just because I you know, I'm very involved in digital art. I naturally have a hand in the Web3 arm of that group. Um, it's just natural. I mean, I can give my contact info at the end of this and feel free to reach out. And we have a, ever since we launched this in July, we have several, <laughs> a big uh, list of unread emails that's net thus far. And there's currently one person on this team reading them, but we are, <laughs> we will get to all of them. Right. Welcome to the world of venture funding, right? <laughs> Yeah. And the world of uh, casting podcasts. I'm like, well, that sounds really familiar. No, we have a small team that reviews all the inquiries, but it's really hard because there's a lot of nuance to every project and you want to understand everything going on in the space. Plus, it's just exciting stuff. So how do you balance that amount of due diligence? But alas, good problems. And I know you guys did a little mini conference in New York. What other type of collaborations, partnerships are on your roadmap that maybe you can share with us at this time? And then, of course, we could always check in with you later. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. We had our fifth annual Art and Tech Summit in New York in July. It was the first time we did a two-day conference. It was a really phenomenal group of people that came from all over the industry, finance, VC, creators, really everything, marketing, luxury, and fashion, really run the, ran the gamut. We had a congressman as well. You know, really, really a lot of different people kind of in the space coming together. So that was really amazing. So that's, you know, we're really focused on 
bringing leaders together to come to Christie's and talk about the problems that are going on in this space and how we can work together to solve them. So there's been a lot of collaborations that have come out of that somewhat naturally, honestly. And so that has been really exciting. Um, there is there's some exciting Christie's news that look out for in the next couple of weeks, but I can't quite talk about it just yet, but maybe we can do a follow-up and uh, I can send you some information for you to send out to the podcast listeners in a couple of weeks time. Animal, vegetable, or mineral? Yeah. What <laughs> What letter does it start with? <laughs> and can we play sounds like? Or, no, no, yeah. <laughs> we can have some fun with it. But no, yeah, please keep us posted. Sounds exciting. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, me too. I'm super pumped. We'll definitely throw it in our newsletter and, and tell people on social when you're able to pass on those deeds. And yeah, you know, I can relate a lot to your mission in terms of that conference NFTLA, we announced as well, March 20th through the 23rd of next year and excited that you'll be able to make it this upcoming year. And, you know, I think our whole thing is how do we co-create the future of Web3 and make it a more meaningful, inclusive place for everyone? There's so much potential value there and so many questions and concerns and just misunderstandings that need to be addressed. And then we just need to make sure that everyone knows how they can play a role in the future. So Excited to have you in the mix and thank you for what you're doing to sort of elevate those types of conversations. Yeah, I, we love hosting them and I get to meet really awesome people in the process. So can't complain. Yeah, it's fun. It's our work, but it's fun. Well, we're going to be wrapping up this segment soon. Unfortunately, there's a lot to learn about Christie's. We're going to learn a little bit about you coming up soon, which I think will be fun. But before we move on, just want to know kind of what other projects you're inspired by in the Web3 space. We always love to hear that from our guests. Yeah, I mean, there's so many artists doing cool things, um, brands as well. But I think from an artist perspective, you know, I really like what Sam Spratt is doing. Jake Freed, obviously, I'll always love World of Women and Yam. She's awesome. I got the privilege to meet her and interview her when we sold World of Women NFTs back in February, March of this past year. Seems like forever ago, but it's only March. Um, of this current year, probably, right? <laughs> I know. It seems like when I talk about March, I'm always saying, okay, yeah, last year we did NFTLA last year. No, it was this year. Yeah, we had world, we had Yam and we had World of Women on the show. It was a real privilege. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's great. And you know, she's really focused on genuine aspects of this community. And it's really nice to see other and talk to other females doing cool things in the space. Yeah, it was a great episode. So many people doing so many cool things and Christy's at the center of a lot of it. So thanks so much for sharing all of that with us. We'll keep an eye out for these forthcoming announcements. We waiting patiently. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. 
Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white label marketplace, as well as their highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes, you, Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Uh, Ethan mentioned, want to transition to the next segment and talk a little bit more about you and some of your experiences. It's a segment that we call Edge Quick Hitters, fun, quick way to get to know you a little better. We're looking for short, single word or few word responses to each question, but we might dive a little deeper here or there. Are you ready to jump in? I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Question number one. What's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Make a Blood 82 CD. Oh, nice. It's very generationally appropriate. <laughs> Solid. All right. Question number two. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? I think it was either a milk ad or an absolute ad to a fellow classmate. A milk ad? Yeah, those collectibles. You don't remember those things? You collected all the milk ads. Or, and so... I don't even, it was an ad for just milk. I don't even know if it was a particular brand of milk, but it was all these celebrities would do these ads in magazines, the little milk mustache, and you would collect them. And we all had binders and we would trade the rare ones. You know, I'll give you two. It was the early NFT. (laughs) Wow. Very appropriate though. That's cool. For some reason that that was off my radar. That's interesting. Yeah, very cool. And definitely the first time we get some trends in responses to some of these things, depending on who we're talking to. That's definitely a first for the show. So right (laughs) on. Question number three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? Cup of coffee about an hour ago. All right. (laughs) How deep do you go down the coffee rabbit hole? Do you get like a latte, espresso? What's your... Yeah, well, actually, so now I'm pregnant. So now I'm uh, only getting half calf. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say you're drinking coffee for two. <laughs> so you got to get twice as much. <laughs> I wish, I wish, but they're trying to tell me to live in my caffeine. It's one of the hardest things I've had to you do. You got to adjust it, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big shift. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Thank you. Question number four, what's the most recent thing you sold? So I'm moving in two days and my husband has loved this red chair in our apartment for the past four and a half years, but I finally got to sell it the other day because it doesn't match anything. And I finally won that battle. So I sold that to a neighbor for like $40. Take it off our hands. Well, congratulations on that too. That's great. (laughs) It sounds like that was a long time coming. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Question number five, what is your most prized possession? Okay. This might be a little TMI, but I'll share with everyone. I have this beanie baby stuffed animal that I've had since probably I was, I don't know, six that I still have. And I'm in my thirties and have a child coming and I think I'll probably still have it. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Wait, but you got to tell what, what Beanie Baby is it? Exactly. It's Stripes, the little tiger. The little tiger. Is his name Stripes or do you have another another name? For 
It's just stripes. The one that the name that they came with. That it came with. Yeah. Yeah. You speak of them so affectionately. That's awesome. Little stripes. <laughs> Question number six. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service, an experience that's currently for sale at Christie's or otherwise, what would it be? Ah, uh, a ski house in Big Sky. Oh, yeah. The real estate move. Love it. Okay. Moving on to question number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Considering I am almost passing on some stuff to the next generation is particularly pertinent. Certainly not a red chair. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would probably say confidence or the ability to at least feign confidence or fearlessness when you're trying something new. There it is. Question number eight. The flip side, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? People tell me I'm too trusting and I'm not particularly good at uh, judging people on their first impressions. So I generally just like everyone and then learn the hard way some things about. That's a sad one to have to <laughs> let go of. Yeah, that's it's nice to feel able to feel trusting. Yeah, definitely could be a double-edged sword there. Yeah. Naivete. Uh, we'll call it naivete. Not trust. It's good to have that trust, but yeah, naivete maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Question number nine. What'd you do just before joining us on the podcast? I had lunch with my friend Charlotte from Moonpay. She's in town. Ah, cool. And last question or official question, I should say, what are you going to do next after the podcast? Continue to start to pack my apartment because I'm moving in two days and it's about half packed. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. It, uh, the time is fast approaching. Word on the street is we have a bonus question also. Ooh, yeah. I think that came from Josh. Josh, kick it. Let's hear it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you are a collector as well. And I was just curious if there's a particular piece of art in your own collection that is particularly special. Yeah, sure. So actually, my great-grandfather was an Impressionist painter. He never exhibited his work at all, ever in his lifetime. But he was really prolific, did about 30 or so paintings. And I actually recently organized an exhibition, just totally non-selling exhibition in the city of his stuff. And I now have three in my apartment. So that's by far my favorite painting that I have. Wow. Very cool. What's the theme of the the paintings? Yeah, well, he did kind of all Impressionist-esque scenes. So there's a lot of floral still lifes and then some landscapes and some, some portraits. But the one that my favorite one is a New York City scene, Fifth Avenue. Very cool. And have you picked up a paintbrush in your days as well? I have. Yeah, that's actually what originally got me interested in art history. I took art classes when I was a kid. And then I took art history in high school and loved that. And I was like, well, maybe I won't be a professional artist, but I could do professional other stuff in art. (laughs) That was how I got here. Very cool. Yeah, definitely making waves in art. So I was like checking to see if I had stripes in this like big bucket of Beanie Babies here. Wow. <laughs> this house was like completely, uh, these guys like left like witness protection style a block away from me. And like, like I mean, everything, like wedding pictures, like everything, right? And there was this like little <laughs> bucket of Beanie Babies. I was like, I'll give you five bucks for these. Let me check them out. I don't know. So uh, I was hoping I had a stripes in there, but I don't. Which we just learned Jeff happens to snuggle with during every episode behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's stored over here with a bunch of other random collectibles and stuff like that. But uh, anyways, I should put one out for the show for the episodes. But anyway, yeah. um, good stuff. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us. We appreciate it. That's Edge Quick Hitters. And we have a very special hot topic to transition to here. So Ethan, take it away. 
Yeah, let's head it. So today's sponsored hot topic is all about BTA, aka Blockchain Training Alliance. They're creators of the world's first blockchain training and certification program for developers and architects. And we're fortunate to have BTA's chief learning officer, Chris Bennett, Chris with a K, K K-R-I-S, here with us today to share some of the latest news about his company's mission and vision. Chris, hey, welcome you and your big, awesome beard to the show. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. It's really an honor to be here. I appreciate you uh, lowering the bar and letting someone like me in, even if it's just for once. But we've definitely collaborated with you guys before. I know you invited us to join a few sessions, learning sessions, and kind of tell people about the opportunities in blockchain. And it was fascinating, too, to participate in the session I got to participate in just to see all of the open space, right? Like the people who are just learning, right, about the opportunities in blockchain and how exciting it is to kind of get them in on the ground level. So yeah, tell us like how you've molded BTA here. You know, it's kind of been more explosive in NFTs in sort of like the recent year and a half or so, but it's also been explosive in blockchain in general over the last decade. Tell me about how you're kind of molding and creating what you're creating with BTA. You bet. You bet. You know, so before I jumped into the blockchain waters, I spent about 20 years in IT services consulting. And one of the things I heard so many times all throughout the years is people would look at me or teams and the work we were doing and they would say, God, I would love to be able to do what you do. I'm just not smart enough. That always really struck me as as an incredible tragedy because, you know, if anything, these people are probably too smart to be working in technology. There really is a place for everyone in tech. And so when blockchain came around, it became apparent this was going to be the next big thing. I wanted to make sure that everybody, whether they were technical or non-technical or old or young or whoever, felt like they had a place. And uh, really the first step to any of that is learning what is all this stuff about and what's going on and why is now such an amazing time to be getting involved. So um, that's kind of been our ethos and our guiding principle. And we've had a lot of success and fun along the way, trained over 150,000 students all around the world. And we're still going. So no sign to slowing down. There you go. It sounds like, Nicole, you probably a good source of referrals for some of the folks that come to you and don't know what NFT stands for. Yeah, absolutely. It's great what you're doing. Well, and I'm just starting my Beanie Baby collection. So we might be able to work out something in trade, maybe some free consulting advice the other way. <laughs> don't, don't let the tough guy image fool you. <laughs> so, so it's been a minute, Chris, since I've, I've taken an online course. Jeff did get me a uh, subscription to Masterclass one year, which was super cool. I found that content really engaging and, and easy as an adult learner, but the shorter attention span which tends to happen. How do you guys go about this? How do you keep this content engaging? How do you train adults that have too much access to their phones? Like, what does this like world of education look like for you guys? Sorry, I kind of blanked out there. The question was about short attention span or, or something. No, it's a really, really great question. You know, I'm a big believer that, you know, you think back to the, the great teachers that you had in school and maybe the ones who weren't so good. And to me, what always made the really good teachers stand out is they were great storytellers, right? Whatever they were talking about, they could find a way to relate it to you and to make it interesting. And that's really what we try to do is really tell an interesting and compelling story. So maybe you walk away and you go, hey, you know what? Blockchain isn't for me, but at 
least I have this newfound appreciation for just what a unique and special moment in history this is. That's the approach we've taken, and it, it might not be the best way, but it's worked pretty well for us so far. So, you know, barring anything else, we're going to keep going down that road. Actually, I remember you had an interesting story of like an ancient civilization that had like a blockchain type of technology, right? Can you tell us that little story? Is it little enough to share? Oh, absolutely. It's a quick one. It's uh, kind of one of my favorite ones to tell because everyone hears about blockchain and they think, well, this is something so new and so high tech and cutting edge. And the truth is these are some very, very old ideas at play. And 3000 years ago, there's a tiny little island in the South Pacific, Yap Island. And at the time, they're using gigantic limestone coins as their money. Thousands of pounds these things weigh. So there's no way to just fill up your pocket or your purse with a bunch of these and go do your shopping. So how do you have this functioning economy? Well, the, what they did is they ended up putting each one of these coins in some different memorable place on the island, by the pond, here in the middle of the village, over there by the forest. And everybody just kept tracking their head of what coin belonged to whom. And anytime two people wanted to trade or transact, they would work out the details between themselves and then just announce it to the larger group. So, you know, I own that coin over there by the pond. I've got something you want, or, you know, you've got something I want. I'll offer it to you as payment and we'll announce that. And from that point on, everybody knows, hey, now that belongs to you. So if they could figure it out with no computers 3,000 years ago, trust me, all of us walking around using smartphones, connecting to Zoom meetings, living in the modern world, it's accessible to everybody, I promise. Yeah, the decentralized ledger. Yeah. I would want to own the biggest tree or like the coolest volcano, and that would be my claim. (laughs) (laughs) No, no coin for this man. He owns the giant volcano. So be nice to him, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Chris, when we think about the courses that you're delivering to people, like tell us a little bit about them. Like what should people that are interested in taking them expect? Great question. I think one of the biggest misconceptions, certainly the one I spend so much time fighting is if you want to get involved in blockchain, you got to be somebody like me. You got to be somebody who comes from this background in technology and can write code. And, you know, you look at the internet, the internet created a lot of opportunity for technical people, but it created a lot more opportunity for the rest of us. I mean, the fact that we're all sitting here today on this podcast is a testament to that. And blockchain is no different. It's just the third wave of the internet. And so really our message is, hey, whatever your skill set, whatever your background, whatever brings you joy or happiness or satisfaction in life, keep doing that. Let's just find a way that you can do that in blockchain, whether that's being super technical and hands-on or whether that's really driving vision and leading a business and building something long-term. Or let's be honest, maybe it's just getting a, a little bit more comfortable job, getting able to work from home and see the kids off to school and kind of appreciate some of the smaller things life. It's just hard to overstate how much opportunity there is right now. And no one can really say how long that window of opportunity is going to stay open for, but it's wide open right now. So jump through while you can, I guess is our pitch. And so in terms of the lineup of potential classes, Josh was saying he was like super pumped to be a masterclass and have this menu of so many cool things to select. What do you have? What's on the roster right now and in particular around NFTs? You know, we've got a just launched uh, relatively recently, just an intro level NFT 101 course. What are NFTs? It's funny, you know, some of the biggest barriers out there to folks getting involved is is just getting over that uh, initial misunderstanding or lack of education and realizing, hey, all of this is accessible. 
I'll tell you what, the dirty little secret no one's talking about is all of this is still so new. It means despite what it may sound like from the outside, it really hasn't had time to get that complex. And, you know, once you learn the buzzwords and the acronyms, it's still an incredibly immature field. And it's amazing to be able to come in and and make contributions to that. So I would say, you know, anyone just kind of generally interested in the blockchain space, we got a great, absolutely free blockchain intro course. A couple hours, you can learn all the basics of blockchain and kind of understand and hey, what areas of the market or areas where this is going are interesting to me. If you go through that course and you're kind of wondering about next steps or what's the right fit, reach out, connect with me on LinkedIn, look up Blockchain Beard Guy, shoot me an email. Always more than happy to have a chat with folks. And, you know, really my, what gets me up every day in doing this is, is seeing people open up new chapters and new opportunities in their life. So anything I can do to help facilitate that, I'm always available. It's nice if you can get to the level where people could Google blockchain beard guy and find you. Let's let's make that part of our collective mission here. <laughs> so, well, you can find me. It's just on the 20th page of search results. But if you keep hitting <laughs> next, I promise you, you will get there. Yeah. But if he keeps asking people to do it, it's going to move him up in SEO. Yeah, I started on page 40. So this is my get rich slow scheme, gentlemen. I know for a fact, Jeff just purchased blockchainbeardguy.eth and he's going to try to sell it to you for... so there's a number of extensions but yeah so you go you're on the right track (laughs) so last week he was a nigerian i just can't get away from (laughs) well chris man thanks so much dude for sharing all that with us you guys are making such uh, progress and such an impact here and also just your general perspective on it man it's really refreshing we appreciate it oh you bet right back at you guys i mean what you guys are doing in my mind is clearly education as well so we're aligned on mission and you guys are doing great so you guys keep up the good work as well and really really appreciate you temporarily lowering your standards, having someone like me on the show. And now you can raise them back to where they So Chris is also very modest. I've heard rumors, some of these conferences, Chris is so popular that they have to arrange the booth in such a way that the line can queue around the conference because everyone wants your autograph. So a little bit of modesty there. That's only because they see me and they think Duck Dynasty is coming back on the air. It's got nothing to do with blockchain, I assure you. <laughs> nice. And you can catch Chris at the Comedy Store on Tuesdays at 7 as well. No, hey, man, we do appreciate it, brother. Lots of great energy, man. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Take care, guys. And so, you know, for this next segment, we wanted it to jump in and give a little bit of, of love to somebody that's moving the needle within Nicole's life, Nicole's world at Christie's and all the amazing things that she's doing. So let me turn the floor over to her. Yeah, I'm happy to. I like, I like this section. It's cool. If you don't mind, I'll give three very quick shout outs. Two of them I already mentioned earlier in the podcast, so they'll be quick. Devong Thacker, who is running our Christie's Ventures program, but has also been an advisor to Christie's for many years now and become a great friend and confidant as we're really exploring and innovating in this space. So just want to give a shout out to him, Devong. And Charlotte, who I just had lunch with today, she runs Moonpay Concierge. She's been just a great person to bounce ideas off of and just talk about what's been going on, what we're each seeing, and another fellow female in, in the space that's also, it's, it's just been great to kind of build a, build a friendship with someone like that. Um, and then on the artist side, I'd like to give a shout out to Diana Sinclair. I really like her work and think she's up to some cool things. There it is. Amazing artists. Good company. Diana, Devon, Charlotte, much love. I feel like when you're dining with someone from Moon Pay, I feel like that's a pay. I don't know why, but <laughs> just, <laughs> hopefully that's how it goes down <laughs> for you. <laughs> just sounds appropriate. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Lots of pay based companies out there. We'll see. 
So that's a little love. Thanks again, everybody, for uh, all of your contributions there. And so also, Nicole, before we break, we did want to make sure that we directed people to the right places to follow you, as well as everything that Christie's is doing. What would be the best place for people to follow that action? Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram, Christie's is at Christie's Inc. on both. And I am Nicole A. Sales on both. Okay, there it is. And also, word on the street is we have a little giveaway queued up, and that is a complimentary spot in the online course, Web3 in Context, Art, Tech, and the Market. That's happening Thursdays from October 20th to November 17th at 1 p.m. to 2.15 p.m. Eastern. So very cool, very generous. We appreciate that. Keep an eye out on our socials for all the details on how to score that complimentary spot. Yeah, it's a Christie's Ed class, and we're really happy to be able to offer it. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We have space for more adventures on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Also be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go, just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.